In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello, and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin, and this is episode number 116, Control. This is by Janet motherfucking Jackson. Okay, the iconic Janet Jackson. I have been in a Janet Jackson mood this week, and I know one of the reasons is because I rewatched Hustlers at the beginning <gasps> of the week. I yes. forgot that this song is how that movie starts. Yes. I also forgot a lot of details of that movie. Yeah. It was a good movie. It's though. a wonderful movie. It is a wonderful movie. As a side note, I still don't feel bad for the guys. No, not even took. a little bit. Not no. at all. No, not even a little not bit. At all. You know what I was just thinking when you said Janet Jackson? Hmm. How do you think that the wardrobe malfunction would have played out today? Like in today's world, as opposed to when it happened? I would hope. Because I still see her being shamed. Yes. I feel like we would still shame her. Uh-huh. I would hope that maybe we would shame JT a little bit more. Yes. Justin Timberlake. Because he got off scot-free yeah. last time. He's the hero of the story. But I don't know. I'd probably go down the same way. What do you think? I know. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I was like, I would hope it would be different, but I'm not sure it would. Mm-hmm. I'm but- afraid that it would in the climate current political climate we're in that it would go even crazier and yeah. people be like picketing yes. and rioting and <laughs> not riots not the right word but you know uh, maybe you riots. know what group i'm talking yes. about that would be doing yes that. yeah we can't have our children seeing boobs oh my goodness no boobs no drag queens how dare you people don't have right stab boobs <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah. janet jackson by the way she was only 20 when this album came out in 1986 I didn't realize she was that young. Amazing. I was obsessed with this album. I was obsessed with Rhythm Nation that came afterward Rhythm a few years Nation. later. I oh. had the VHS tape oh. that came with it with oh. like the videos I and did stuff. Not have that. Yeah. Oh god. And like learning all the dances. Yes. Uh, 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 it's probably a good much. thing I didn't have that. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. I would have gone was, nuts. Yeah. Not big, big Janet Jackson fan. Yes. So anyway, love Janet Jackson. Also like the idea. Of the song control being our theme. Absolutely. Because I like the idea of asserting control and letting other people's opinions and demands go. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing to do. It is. But it can make for some very interesting narratives, mm-hmm. which we may find in our picks. Mm-hmm. And I thought it might be a really interesting topic now in I our like current it. and political climate. Absolutely. Yeah. And what's more summer vibes, 80s summer vibes than Janet Jackson? <sighs> Nothing. nothing I'll tell you that nothing, nothing. I was re-listening nothing. to this album by the way and there's nine songs on it and I counted six of them were on the radio I remember that wow you know we talk a lot about when we talk about control 
about yeah. this idea of this live and let live philosophy. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that's such a difficult concept in practice? Because the other side is wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, honestly, I think because like, okay, if we're going to look at it from a political standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, if some people are saying like, you got to just let people have their opinions, got to let people have right. their beliefs. That's fine. However, a lot of different opinions and beliefs are actively hurting people. Right. When you believe that guns should be a sacred right for everyone to have, that means that we have public shootings and school shootings mm -hmm. and all of that. When you believe that LGBTQ people are not allowed basic dignity, then you have all of the shitty, shitty, shitty legislation happening right now. Mm -hmm. When you believe that certain stories shouldn't be told, then you have books being banned. Yeah. These are all things that hurt people. Mm -hmm. So when people say live and let live, mm -hmm and let other people have their opinions, it's hard to do. Well, I, yeah, and I think it gets used as like a way to say, live and let live if it's like me. Exactly. In a negative way, you know, like, yes. you, oh, I do what I, you know, but only it, if you're doing the same thing as me. Yes, it's also used in like arguments too, to mm -hmm. like shut another person down. Mm -hmm. Be like, well, I'm entitled to my opinion too. It's a free country. That's fine. But yeah, you're saying that mine are shitty. Right, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I say live and don't, live it don't <laughs> the language i'm working on language the the new statement i'm working on it's not there yet it's not there yet but yeah. we'll work on it we'll, we'll work workshop on it. it yeah okay we'll workshop it yeah <laughs> <laughs> so a question for you Aaron. yeah what is something that you try to take control over because it's a source of pressure in your life, a source of stress, perhaps. Well, it's something that like I, I'm in control of and, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Like it's my own making, but it's like the family schedule. Like everything mm. is always like falls on my shoulders to what's going on with the week when when we have to be certain places like and that's not it's not out of a traditional roles thing it's not that other people don't want to help it's out of a control thing for me mm -hmm. like I need to be in control of what's happening but then that also puts all the pressure on me to have all these things work together and have it happen yeah and so it's an area that I know that I have created the problem mm -hmm. but I also will not ever do anything to uncreate the problem <laughs> so because if you're going to uncreate the problem, then it would be loosey-goosey. And yes. you can't handle loosey-goosey. No. It's the exact reason that I am the prime target for every new planner ever made. Yeah. Because you yeah. tell me you have a revolutionary planner system. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I forget that that can't be true. <laughs> and I go right in. Because a planner is a calendar. So stop saying it's innovative. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you think that like planner companies mm -hmm. basically in their like, you know, marketing manual in their mm -hmm. demographics, like target demographics, they just have a picture of you? Yeah. Yeah. I mm -hmm. agree. Yeah. Yeah. Look at, and then they're probably like, look at her search history. <laughs> look at her shopping history. She's Help ready. Me figure out my life. She is ready. I can tell this year she feels goal oriented. So let's focus on goal type planners for her. It's good that you're keeping that industry afloat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Single handedly. Single handedly. I'm afraid. I'm afraid I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if they help, to be honest. But you know what? It's, it, I think there is a distinctly like, Maybe a distinctly uh, uh, woman aspect of that, too. Because I remember even as a kid loving planners. Loved my school Loved planner. the idea oh. of like exerting just a tiny bit of control over things that felt out of control. Mm -hmm. Over crazy school, work pressure, all of that. Yes. Yeah. So Absolutely. it's there. And I don't know what it is. I just feel like I have to, my week has to be set up that way mm -hmm. or things go sideways. And it's all my own making. Yeah, but well. Here we are. But it works for I you. Say. And then it gets, it allows you to make pretty, pretty, pretty beautiful, organized lists and stuff. Yes, I love a list. Yes. I mm -hmm. love a list. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's true. Yeah. It's true. It's not going to change. So. No. Yeah. Why should it? No. And if you listeners have great ideas for planners, I'm not saying I'm close to them. I'm open. <laughs> if you have a revolutionary product. Yes. New, innovative thing, sure, to outshine all the rest. Let Aaron Hit know. Hit me up. Yeah. Hit me up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we've just said something clearly that someone could take control of me with. But mm -hmm. if you were granted control over some aspect of our society, mm -hmm. what would it be and what would you do with said control? Hmm. I would like to take control of the church and state lack of divide. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's okay. a good one. So 
I would like to remove our tax exemptions okay. for religious organizations because as we've seen in various documentaries, that is exploited to all hell yeah, that's for various cults uh-huh. and whatnot uh-huh. and churches masquerading as cult, or cults masquerading as churches. I would like to uh, remove, what's the word, like on our money. We have something about under God, on our money. Yeah. I want to remove that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to remove church from school. Mm-hmm. I want to do away with church schools. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think it's because we're all like church, church fucks us up. Mm-hmm. It makes us ill-educated. It makes us fear other people. It makes us bigoted. It makes us all the bad things. It supposedly makes us more moral, but it makes us more immoral, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. So I think that we should, if it still wants to exist, great. But right now the state is supporting it. Mm-hmm. And the state is saying like, yep, great. So all the abuses that happen, it is tied directly yes. to us saying like, yep, that's fine. It's okay. Cool. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're sacrificing, you know, women and kids. Yes. And yeah. I've gotten to like a real like tit for tat situation in my life recently with stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I feel like. There was this idea at one time that church was supposed to be like it it had tax exemptions because it's supposed to be helpful, right? Mm-hmm. It's supposed to produce better people. Okay, so on that premise then, every therapist should not have to pay taxes. Oh my god. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And also we should be investing in things that I mean, we should invest state government dollars in things that are actually good for the public health. Right. That could be alternative medicine. Yes. It could be therapy. Mm-hmm. It could be uh, sexuality education mm-hmm. because we need to take more joy in our bodies. Like all of those things. Yes. 100%. To make us a better, better a citizenry. One. So I'm looking for a way in. That is a solid. I mean, I feel like you just came up with a campaign platform that fast. Yeah. Could my title be like czar of... <laughs> See, I'm starting off on the wrong foot by saying czar. Yeah, I was so. going to say, I think <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. And this is where all politics goes wrong. But if this we want to appeal to the masses, wrong. we're going to have to take off the czar. We're going to have to make you a little more palatable to Damn get you. It. See, this is how it all goes this wrong. This is how it goes wrong. Real life illustration. Yeah. You have to compromise yourself. You can no longer be a czar <laughs> in the hopes that when you get in, you can do some good. But by then, you're too corrupt. I'm too corrupt. You're too corrupt. I'm taking you money from people roots. who have given me business cards that say czar on them. Yes. I mean, really, it comes down to, like, I have been an atheist for a long time, mm-hmm. and I always get so, so upset when people say you can't be moral if you don't have God in your life. And to me, it's like that is that's what's wrong mm-hmm. with the church. It's saying that you're only doing good things because you're afraid of punishment yes. from some mythical yes. Uh, yes. figure. Whereas if you're if you divorce yourself from that and you're trying to do good in the world, then I'd, I would say that's much more moral. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's how you're treating people each time on an individual basis as opposed to, well, I won't get into heaven, so mm-hmm. I guess I'll let this one go. And I won't insist that my morality is sound because, as you saw, I was just trying to vie for czar, that kind of title. Yeah, I don't, so, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't even know if we have to put that in the morality category. <laughs> I feel like we do that a lot, right? Things We do a lot of morality decisions yes. that aren't even things that have good or bad sides. Yeah. It's, yeah, absolutely. So you heard it here first. That's what uh, that's what I'm going to be doing. Well, as the czar of planners, <laughs> I'm excited to get you on the campaign trail. <laughs> Yes, I'm going to need a planner for this. I'm going to need a full-on organizational system. Yes. Yes. So pitch me your best organizational system so I can start this process. Okay, Okay. good, good. Mm -hmm. Question for you. Yeah. Might also be down the overpower route. Yeah. Let's consider people who have been wronged. Mm -hmm. Okay. And let's consider, and I don't think this is a far stretch because I think you would do this. If you were going to be a vigilante oh, for yeah. someone who has gone, who has been wronged, uh-huh. okay, uh-huh. what would be your favorite type of revenge or or control? I kind of went wide. Like I hmm. think that if I could assert control or revenge, 
it would be instilling rationality. Oh shit. And let me explain. I don't I don't necessarily want to stop people from speaking because that's what I thought at first. Like I would just have the ability to make someone <laughs> stop talking. Someone like you I mean, just that's can't. a pretty good power. Right. But then I'm like, well, we don't really get anywhere with that, right? So instead of that, I would want the power to make the person stop and actively somehow I control their brain and they have to think through every part of what they're saying. Oh my God. To make sure it's a sound yeah. argument mm-hmm. with specific examples. And mm-hmm. if it's not, it just won't leave their mouth. It just can't come out. Wow. Because I just feel like we've forgotten that words have power. Yes. It, yes. I'm going to revise that. We've forgotten in some cases that mm-hmm. words have power. In other cases, we think words have more power than they do. Yes. So, <laughs> thoughts and prayers, baby. Thoughts yeah, and prayers. That, that, thoughts and prayers. And like we want to ban books on one side, but then we're okay with people who are elected politicians on the news saying things that are clearly not yes. true, yes. not scientifically true, not true to the facts of the country, mm-hmm. anything like that. So I want the ability to instill some rationale. I feel like that's what we're missing is just mm-hmm. be rational. I like that. How I'm I'm considering now like how you would do that. Like if you would touch them on the shoulder and suddenly they would gain this power. I don't want to touch anyone. It's mind bullets. (laughs) Mind bullets. It's my eyes and I just look at you and then I it happens. I forgot. This is a post pandemic world. There's no touching. No. What the hell? No. Ew. Good lord. I just want to be able to look. It's a program Mind that bullets. gets downloaded in your brain yeah. by my eyes. Okay. And you're like, oh, I want to say, but I can't because it's not rational. Oh, man. Uh-huh. That would, I think cable news would have to disappear. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Which I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, a lot of reality shows would have to disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people in our government would be voted out, which that would be very nice. That would be very nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we would see a lot more women in power. Mm-hmm. None of these are drawbacks. These are all wonderful things. Right. I That's say mind saying. bullet away. That's what I think. Yeah. I think it would be amazing. Have you been practicing your mind bullets? Um, I mean, I think I have. I don't okay. think I'm getting anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm envisioning you like trying to practice on like Mason or something, yeah. getting him to, you know. I mean, yeah. sometimes as a mom, you do feel like you have it because like you yeah. can give a look and they know, like especially in public, I can yeah. like, give him a look and he knows right away Ooh. that something went down. So you already have that power inherent. You yeah. just got to build it up. Mm-hmm. Would you have a fun name? It wouldn't be Czar. We've already outlawed Czar. <laughs> or would it be? Or would it? Or would it be? The Czar of Rationality? Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean. Yeah. Chief Rationality Officer. Oh, that's it. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. I could see the email signature now. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah, I would just pop up in places because I'm a vigilante. I have the ability to go wherever. Exactly. And I just pop yeah. up. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, at a press conference where someone says ingest bleach, I might just pop up and be like, <laughs> okay, well, we got to take a beat. He needs a mind bullet reboot and we'll be back. And then people will be like, oh, shit. Yeah, that was crazy. Oh, I like that. I like the idea of not only having to say rational things going forward but maybe even looking back at the things you've said in the past yes. and be like oh god i was yeah. out of line i was, out I was line. dumb yeah you could just i think everyone can benefit from a beat before we make a decision or we say something yes but particular in cases where i don't know you might be inclined to listen to a drunk rudy giuliani yeah 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 i think uh-huh, that maybe uh-huh. that's a good time for me to that's show a great up time chief rationality officer hey yeah couple things his face is melting he farted in public he's drunk maybe his idea he showed up at a lawn company he booked the four seasons lawn company next to an adult bookstore Uh uh-huh uh-huh so maybe maybe we put a pin in his ideas and we come back to that circle back okay all right good Good, good, good. You're going to have way more work than you know what to do with. It's too much, yeah. I'm probably going to have to clone myself. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or if there's some way that you can pass your power on. I mean, I'd be happy to help. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I can train troops. Yes. Mm -hmm. I could be your lieutenant. Yeah. Yeah. Deputy chief rationality Uh officer. Uh Oh, I like it. Yeah. I think we're on to something. I think we are, too. I think we're on to something. And, you know, my first pick has to do with women having a certain sort of power Ooh. that they may not recognize. Mm-hmm. So for my fiction pick, I have a book that's fresh off the print, printing press, the fresh off the wires, something. I don't, okay. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay, got there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's called The Change by Kirsten Miller. Mm. So 
picture this. This is where we start. We're in a Long Island suburb. Okay. And there's a house that used to be like the gem of the neighborhood, right? Ooh. It's historical. It's beautiful. Uh-huh. It's got nicely manicured lawns, whatever. Uh-huh. And there's a rich and successful white couple that live in there. But then the rich, successful couple, they divorce. Mm. And the woman, Harriet, is alone. And in a very short amount of time, nature takes over. The uh-huh. lawn has gone to seed. Plants are growing out of control. There's brambles and thorns, like it's looking like a medieval castle type situation. And people are whispering about her, that she's let herself go, that she's different, that she's a little weird. I mean, she's almost 50, and she's a little witchy. This is a little oh, weird. No. So there's a HOA mm-hmm. for the neighborhood. And the leader is a picture, picture a middle manager man. Okay. Okay. He is aghast. And he goes over to tell Harriet that she has to fall in line and take care of this yard. But she has no intention of listening to him. And in fact, when he goes home, suddenly his own yard is invaded by weeds. And he has a rash causing, rash all over his body. (gasps) Okay. So that's Harriet. Elsewhere in the neighborhood, and Harriet is in, like I said, she's almost 50. She's in her late 40s. Elsewhere in the neighborhood is Joe, and she's also in her late 40s. And she's been having massive hot flashes and uncontrollable rage. And when she's having some of these flashes, she can almost swear she can see the heat coming off of her hands. And even use it as a weapon. Then there's Nessa, who is also in her late 40s. And she's suddenly able to see and hear dead people. And she's hearing a teenage girl who guides her to her body on the beach. Oh. So pretty soon, these three women, they band together because this girl has been murdered. Oh. And they want, to, uh, they want to band together on behalf of this girl and some other bodies that they find along the way. Oh, God. Turns out there's a lot of girls that have been missing that are now dead. And the women are determined to make the police listen to them because up to this point, the police have been like, yep, they're all runaways. Like, it just happens, you know, like, mm-hmm. unfortunate, but that's how it goes. Also, the women are determined to find out who's behind this, even if it leads them to the rich side of town, which is a gated community of billionaires. Oh, very, very rich white men Mm -hmm. in their mansions that are untouchable and outside the law. Oh, no. So together, Harriet, Joe, and Nessa, they use these new powers of seeing the dead, of channeling heat and rage, and a sort of otherworldly ability with plants and nature. And they're on a hunt and on a mission to figure out what's happening to girls in their town. I chose it for this theme because the idea, I fell in love with the idea right away, had to pick it up. I love the idea of women in menopause, which is the time when I think we just sort of decide that women are useless now. They're done. Yeah, it's over. They are gaining powers instead. Yeah. They're becoming more powerful than they ever were in when they were young. And they have been through the ringer in their jobs, in their lives. They've been passed over. They've been ignored. They've been patronized. But the, for the first time, they're gaining control mm-hmm. over their lives. And they're letting go of what they think, what others think they should do. Mm-hmm. They're letting go of what you know, others say that they should be. Um, they're letting go of that idea that they should just fade into the background and become invisible. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, nope, not for me. No, I don't think so. And they're using that to take down men with too much power, which is gratifying as all hell. Yeah. So it's part mystery. Okay. It's part speculative fiction. It's part women's stories. And it's battling this idea that women over a certain age, and especially when they start menopause, are no longer valuable. And it's the idea that maybe we're finally free when that happens. Yeah. And it's time to fuck some shit up. That sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Love it. I also, I will admit, really want to be Harriet. I got to be honest, when you were describing it, I was like, is this your new book? And yeah. you lied. Mm-hmm. And then you just gave a different name. Because <laughs> it sounds like, right, something you could have written. It rem- honestly, it reminded me. Because in my story collection, I have that story yes. of the women in their 80s gaining yeah. powers. And I was like, oh, I'm not the only one with this desire for us to gain powers as yes. we get older. You yeah. know? Yeah. I love it. Well, I my book is also fresh off the wires. Fresh off the wires? <laughs> it's published in June. We're still in June. Mm-hmm. It's called Counterfeit by Kirsten Chen. Hmm. Uh, and I got to up front. This novel is doing so many things at once that I would catch myself thinking about it when I wasn't reading. 
And it kind of reminds me of like going to a restaurant and you get in and they give you a huge menu and you're like, you can't do this many things well. <laughs> but then they do. Like everything you've ever ordered from there is delicious. That's what this book is. You're wow. like, what are you doing? You did that now? Yeah. And it's doing it in a way like it's presenting it like it's something else. And then it just gets flipped on its head. And it was amazing. So it comes together in some very unexpected ways. Ava Wong is this dutiful Chinese-American housewife, went to Stanford, got a law degree, became a lawyer, married the right guy who happens to be a transplant surgeon, has a child at the right time. But somehow the pieces are just not quite fitting. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't feel like she's fulfilled or has what she wants or is sort of having that feeling of like, is this it? Like I did it all? She's yearning and she can't put her finger on what it is exactly and this is when Winnie Fang enters the picture and Winnie was her uh, freshman year college roommate who dropped out under suspicious circumstances like two months in so they didn't spend a lot of time together and she was from mainland China when she came to college so she looked to Ava for a lot of things like what does this mean what does this mean was so eager to learn so they kind of have an odd memory of each other as friends but she waltzes back into her life and she is like the picture of wealth and success. She's decked out, but really tastefully. You can tell she has money, but in a tasteful way. It's like everything that Ava thought that she was going to be is sitting across from her. And Winnie needs a favor. She's got a friend who needs a transplant, but is from another country and is having trouble getting it. So she was hoping that Ava's husband would help. So right away, we know that there was a reason she reached out. But in the meantime, Ava learns a little bit of something about what Winnie does for a living. And Winnie imports counterfeit handbags and sells them back to, <laughs> to stores for a profit. <gasps> sells the originals and sells the counterfeits. Crazy huge empire making hand over fist money. Just crazy amounts of money. And before long, Ava gets swept up in the business. A circumstance happens and she's like, you know what? I can do this. I'm going to help you. And from there, the whole story gets turned on its head. This thing gets so big and so out of control before they realize it and before even the reader realizes it that there's sort of nowhere to go but explosion. And then the author just completely flips it and I can't tell you why, oh but it is so good. And I just felt I picked it for this theme because it examines so many things. Like there's a definite um, examination of Asian stereotypes and Asian American stereotypes and a huge part of our conscious and unconscious bias. Like even when we consider ourselves to be someone who has done reading or has tried to be more aware of their own thought processes or biases, we still have them yeah. and they happen. Mm -hmm. And so I loved what the author was doing here of using it against you. Like you realize you had it later on in the Ooh. book and you didn't even think about it. And it also has a lot to say about success and getting ahead in a world where we don't ever start from an honest or even place. Yeah. We put all this morality and we hold up these people who like oh you did this great thing but we never acknowledge the fact that not everyone has that same path upwards. yeah or that generational wealth funded right. it or you know all of these and things we assign so much credit to the process like oh you were so honest and yeah. did it honestly but we never look at the base of it mm -mm. the foundation yeah so i thought that it had a lot to do with how people's thoughts and opinions and sometimes color what we do but also can color what we do for ourselves mm -hmm. and we and sometimes examining those brings up the opposite of what you thought or truths that you might have held about yourself and it kind of changes it. I found this quote from the New York Times reviewer uh, Camille Perry and I loved it because I think it sums up the book so well. If the dream itself is a false promise, why not achieve it through fakery? Oh my god. Yeah, it's and it's I just felt like that hit it on the head so well. Yeah, it's like recognizing it's a game so why not play the game well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mhm. Mm it's it's something. Mm -hmm. It's one of those two that I feel like um, is going to get the title of unlikable characters. Yeah. And I think that that the author is kind of playing with that, too. Like, why do you think that they're unlikable? What's unlikable uh. about it specifically? <laughs> and it's interesting, the, the turns that it took for a story that's, you know, ostensibly about counterfeit handbags. So. Wow. Mm -hmm. Also, that quote makes me think, whew. Some of our illegal businesses that we've, you know, suggested we might as well, might, might as, as well. well do it. Yeah, yeah. No, mm -hmm. oh, I'm with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so for other genre books, mm -hmm. 
I have a book from 2020. It's such an unusual book. It's really hard to categorize like what it is, which is part of the reason I love it. It's called A Ghost in the Throat by Darren Nagrifa. And Darren is a writer and poet in Ireland. And at the time of this book, she's a mother devoting all of her time to her four small kids. She has like four kids under the age of six. She's just delivered a daughter through emergency C-section who spent a lot of time in the ICU. And so she's very much in this like caretaking and caregiving role, right? Mm -hmm. And at that time, she rediscovers a poem that she read as a teenager. And the poem was written by an Irish noblewoman in the 1700s. And this woman, she fell deeply all-encompassing into love and married her lover and then found her husband murdered and exploded in rage and grief. So Darren, she's breastfeeding. She's caretaking. She's got very little sleep. She's focusing on all the basics of life. And she becomes obsessed with this poem. And she keeps reading it and reading it and rereading it and spotting parallels with her own life and maybe even drawing parallels that weren't necessarily there, but she's seeing it. And she wants to know more about the poet because of this obsession, but she can't find much. So she decides to do her own research, to find out more about this poet, to tell her story. And so over months and over years, she starts researching the writer along with translating the poem from Old Irish to English. So she's doing both of these things. So the book then is a memoir of this time, as well as sort of showing what she learned about the woman's life, Mm -hmm. uh, a bit of figuring out the translation along with the original poem and the translation and and more. So I chose it for this theme because one of the ideas that Darren keeps returning to during her obsession is, what is she doing this for? Like, why is this an obsession of hers? Should she be spending all of this time on this project? Is that selfish? Why does it matter? Why is it this, the thing that's calling her attention? And the fact that this is happening while she's a mother of young kids means that she's getting judgment from others Mm. and from herself. She's deeply in love with her kids. She's enjoying giving herself over to her kids, but she also needs this thing for a reason she can't quite put her finger on. Mm -hmm. She needs this poem. She needs this project and this connection to this other woman from hundreds of years ago. So she keeps going, and the result is this just fascinating and beautiful book. But even if it didn't turn into a book, is it still valuable? At least this time that she spent and Mm -hmm. this obsession that she has. So... Over time, she's increasingly able to sort of let others' opinions about her go, mm-hmm. right? To just be like, I need this. I can't yeah. quite say why, but I need it. Um, and just pursue her passion. And it's deeply fulfilling for her. And yes, it did get turned into a book and it got a bunch of awards. Mm. But would it still have been valuable without it? And I think that's maybe one of the questions that when you're done reading it, you have to think about. You're like, Maybe it is. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe this was a moment of, you know, psychosis. Maybe this was just something that was really, really powerful in that moment. So I love that idea. I feel like it's so relatable because I don't know about you, but in times of stress or even just sometimes if maybe I'm in a rut, I can feel myself like kind of get obsessed with something. And I don't know why, but at that time, like it's just something that gets me out of that Mm -hmm. headspace. And I I, like I focus on it, whatever it is for that period of time. It Mm -hmm. might be a few months, a year, whatever. And then I move on. It's so relatable. It's so relatable. And I feel like even just in small doses, I get this where like for some reason, a certain TV show or a movie totally calls to me and then I get super obsessed about the actor and I just want to know everything and I'm watching interviews and so we all have that tendency Mm -hmm. I think and she just follow her and it hers is a little more literary perhaps but she follows it because you know she feels this connection and she wants to really explore that I think it's an area that we don't give enough credit to which is the fascinating and differentiated way our brains work which is I'm stressed here and this is something I can have control over so I'm going to channel it into that and that's going to help me emotionally deal or you know physiologically deal with mm-hmm. whatever is going on over here and i don't think we give enough credit to that we want to yeah. dismiss it as like a weird habit or a weird uh, result of stress as mm-hmm. opposed to like that's actually someone's mechanism for dealing with what's ever yeah. going on yeah and you know that can't be bad yeah and you know i mean there's so many times where obsession we maybe 
don't frame it that way. We frame it as, I mean, when someone writes a book, they pretty much have to get obsessed with that book in yeah. order to see it through that long per- process. Absolutely. Anyone creates a, a movie or a TV show, they have to be obsessed with it in order to do the work necessary to yeah. create it. Yeah. So somehow she's judging herself and others are judging her because she's doing this project that isn't giving her money mm-hmm. and she's doing it while she's a young mother. And so there's all these, you know, like yeah. external opinions that she has to start letting go of and be like, doesn't no. matter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's so real. Good. I think you would really appreciate it. I think anyone who's been a mom will appreciate it. But I also think, you know, I'm not a mom and I really, really loved it. I think we can all relate to times that we're yes. underwater or feel like, hey, I don't I don't feel like myself. I don't feel like anything's connected to me. Yeah. I feel sort of used up by everything else in my life. Yeah. And, and sort of looking back to history, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, she, she really finds this connection, even though she has nothing in common with this noble woman, like that idea of finding love and then losing it and sort of losing yourself in the process she gets really intrigued by Mm -hmm. and finds that relatable yeah well for my other genre pick um i went a little bit a different route uh and there's a very specific reason why so this book is called financial intelligence Mm. a manager's guide to knowing what the numbers really mean by karen berman joe knight and john case and this has been published multiple times with multiple updates so and I will tell you that as a business owner, this is a book that I have read and reread and reread and have referred to many times. And I think that if you're interested in business, starting a business, have a business, manage people, interested in money, that you're going to find this book helpful and insightful. And I have what I think is the reason why. And it is because it is written by a woman. Ooh. And there just isn't a lot in that area of business right. books. Very dude heavy. And this is so easy to understand and relatable. It just breaks down financial numbers so that you can make good decisions about how your business is going to grow, what to do when it's not growing, and how to present your business to others, whether that be banks, investors, um, a partner, whatever it is, so that you can really have the best financial picture of your business. But also, if you wanted to apply this to your personal life, you could too, if it's just your own life or budget or whatever. And I I just love this book because it's so clear and so concise and simple. And she's not trying to dazzle you at any time with like her financial prowess, her accomplishments, her education, which by the way, would blow most CEOs out of the water. (laughs) She has a master and doctorate in organizational uh, psychology from the California School of Psychology and a bachelor's of science degree in managerial economics with a minor in psychology from the University of California at Davis. So she's genuinely interested in helping you get the most out of your business. And I, what I like about it and why I picked it for this theme is because I think that a form of control people use is to make other people feel like they can't understand something. Yes. You can't understand this. It's too difficult for you. It's too advanced of a topic. Instead of saying, maybe you're not explaining it well enough if someone can't understand yes. it. And I feel like that's a way that a lot of times people make business owners feel bad or make them feel like they're not being successful if you know there's a lot of people who start businesses who have no interest in the numbers or the financial side but they have a wonderful product or service that the world needs and to me this is a really great way to get a better hold of that and feel like you have some ownership over that and you can say to someone no this is what that means Mm -hmm. or this is how i feel about that i think a lot of times business books spend a lot of time convincing you that everything you're doing is wrong and their top 230 ways to make a successful yeah. business are the best way. And I don't, one, I don't believe that that's true. And two, I think that that's just a, a form of control. It's a way to make other people feel like they're better at something than you are. And mm-hmm. it, it just, it's just a, an annoying thing I find in business. There's room for everyone. And if we all have a better language that we all understand, that's better for everyone. That's better for communication across the board. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be a secret. It's not some big formula. It's not something that you can't understand. And I see it all the time. People ask questions about setting up their business or things. And what I feel like every time is like they already know. Mm -hmm. They just need someone to validate because it's a world where people try to make other people feel like they're never going to understand it. Yeah. And it's, it's just much more simple than that. And she does an amazing job with illustrations and definition sides and just the whole style, the way the book is written, it's perfect. So she actually passed away in 2013. 
And this book is still being reprinted wow. with updates. Because it's that good. I mean, it's just a great resource. Um, so it can be sometimes a little bit difficult to get your hands on a copy. Um, it's one of those you're probably not going to find a deal on. You might have mm-hmm. to buy whatever hardcover's out at that time. But it is terrific um they went through after this was such a success she also wrote books specific to some different industries Mm. so that that's interesting to you that you can look at that but i'm telling you even if you're not a business person at all this book is just interesting to have a language you know we hear it all the time our we talk about the economy we talk about uh, the financial health of the united states and those are things that if you you know they use words that i think are meant to throw people off yes and if you have a better knowledge of it, then you can kind of see through the bullshit. I love that idea of like um, inaccessibility mm-hmm. as a form of control because uh, it feels like everything related to money, whether it's financial planning, whether it's buying a car, whether it's buying a house, mm-hmm. feels like it's almost deliberately difficult to understand. Like people make their living off of it being inaccessible mm-hmm. and making us feel stupid mm-hmm. so that they can make money off of this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's what I like about it too is she says something right in the beginning that I I have always held as a truth, which, and you might have heard this before, like you can make the numbers look however you want Mm -hmm. because there's a way to make a formula to make it come out the way that you want. And she readily says the same thing. And she said, but what you should be doing is using that to your advantage. If you're going to the bank to get a loan, you can present things in a way that they understand better what you're saying. Because Mm -hmm. businesses have their own thing. They have their own ebb and flow. They have their own signs of success. And instead of trying to put everyone into this cookie cutter model, we can look better and say, well, yeah, but look at all of this that they have. Or look, you know, there's a lot more markers to Mm -hmm. look at than just black and white bottom line. So. Wow. It's not. It's not a. It's not a sexy read. <laughs> it's, it's not a jazzy read. But it feels more welcoming than most business books, it is. like you said. It is. Yeah. I feel like most of them are so intimidating that yeah. And I like it. I know this is a weird thing, but the font's a little bigger, and the spacing between the lines is a little bigger. And I think that that's that makes helpful. a difference. I think it's helpful in yeah. a topic that's difficult because yes. it makes it seem more accessible. Nice pick. Oh, I like it. It's a it's a personal faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And especially when it comes to women and money, there are issues of control mm-hmm. that, yeah, mm-hmm. we need to know about and let go of. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. I like it. I want to be financially intelligent. See? What a great name, too, financial yeah. intelligence. Yeah. It also takes away that thing, like, if you don't understand money or numbers, that you're dumb. Yes. No. Because it's a it, specific it, thing. There's different kinds of intelligence, and mm-hmm. so she's building Love it. Mm-hmm. So for pop culture, yes, got a little lighter fare than financial intelligence. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I it's think called we go there. Heartstopper, oh, and it's on Netflix. Yes. This I came out very this. recently. Um, there's eight half-hour episodes, very quick, and it is just utterly beautiful and adorable and wonderful. So Charlie is a young high school boy who is the one known gay person at his all-boys school. And he's gone through some bullying because of that. And when we meet him, he's sneaking around with one of those bullies who will kiss him secretly, but then pretend like he doesn't know him and treat him like shit elsewhere. Uh, Charlie is friends with a couple of other sort of outsider-ish boys who form a strong group. But one of their friends, Elle, has left. She came out as trans the previous year and then moved to a neighboring girls' school. Mm. So there's some uncertainty. There's a lot of change. There's just feeling not great about himself. And this is when he meets Nick in his homeroom. And this is in the UK, by the way. So Nick plays rugby and he's popular and a bunch of girls like him. But Nick is not like the others. He's very nice. He's very kind to Charlie. And immediately some sparks are flying. And they become friends, they grow closer, and soon Nick is wondering if he's so straight after all. Mm. So we have this very sweet romantic comedy spread out over episodes where Charlie is learning his own self-worth. He realizes he's better than what he's had to deal with. Um, And Nick is learning what it might mean if he likes guys as well as girls Mm -hmm. and how that will affect his life. the cast is wonderful. Everyone's adorable. Olivia Coleman makes a guest spot as Nick's mom. Oh, and they have terrific. this wonderful, like, very touching scene towards the end. So I chose it for this theme because uh, a couple of our characters, Charlie and Elle, 
have taken control of their lives and claimed their identities. And they put up with a lot of shit for it, but they're learning to let go of that and mm-hmm. just live. And Nick is starting that journey once he meets Charlie and falls for him. And the way that they deal with Nick trying to understand himself, trying to assign like language to himself, trying to figure out what this all means and learning that he may not like the friends he surrounded himself with is done really well. It's very thoughtful. It's very touching. And ultimately, I think I love that there's media like this because I never saw anything like this when we were growing up Mm -hmm. and I had no idea what bisexuality looked like. This would have been revolutionary Mm -hmm. to me and I imagine to so many people of our age and I understand that you know at the same time that we're getting more media like this we're also getting more and more oppression right we're getting more and more anti-trans laws Mm -hmm. and anti-gay laws and all that but I feel like at least I'm so happy that there's stuff like this to counteract all that bullshit over here you know and that kids will find it that Mm -hmm. like the people who need it will find it and maybe they'll recognize themselves and maybe it'll save their damn lives and it's very yeah it's it's wonderful very romantic sweet all the things oh sounds great yes uh evan has mentioned it multiple times oh has he has he watched it yeah oh yeah yeah, he loved it yeah yes well i went a little darker oh again with control okay and a recommended docu-series. Mm. It's four episodes. It's all out. It's called The Deep End. And this is a spooky little dip into a culty cult cult cult. Did you it's, say a spooky little dip? Spooky little dip. Just a little dip a little into cult dip. land. Just a little dip. Because I think that there's a lot more here, but they kept it to four episodes. Okay. So that's why I'm calling it a scoop, because I think you could find some more stuff about okay. this lady. Okay. So, Teal Swan. Nope. <laughs> The first 10 no. minutes, I'm like, what are they saying your name no. is? I looked it up and I was like, no. Nope. No. Nope. 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 I know that's judgy, but we got the context that we probably should judge. You should judge. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So she became super popular on YouTube basically by being brutally honest, but in this sort of spiritual realm, like get honest with yourself oh, type no. of thing. Self-appointed guru. No formal education. <laughs> okay. I No research. Whenever someone self-appoints themselves as a guru, <laughs> yeah, I first think of their email signature. I don't know why. Maybe because I just see I them would all like that. I would like to see guru. yeah, self-appointed guru. <laughs> and then I think <laughs> that's some audacity. Yeah, to just say, you know, I'm a guru. I'm a guru. It'd be like if I put, I consider myself financially intelligent <laughs> at the end of my <laughs> my email signature. Just a guru for no reason. She hasn't done a damn bit of research. Oh my! So God. I don't even know if she's read a book. Oh, probably not. Because all she does is basically tell people exactly what she's thinking without a filter and without any kind of discussion. But somehow she's framing it in this weird way that people are like, oh, my God. She she claims that, like, basically she's got a higher, like, a connection with a spirit that's speaking through her and telling her what she should be telling people. Nope. Yeah. So... What's interesting about this docuseries, because we got a million of them about cults, right? Mm -hmm. This one is interesting, one, because I feel like she got popular just by being a bitch, which is, (laughs) in and of itself, I sort of admire. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But really, what happens is she's getting backlash online, because she's telling people, basically, like, if you feel that bad, yeah, sometimes the only answer is suicide. Whoa! she has a belief in reincarnation. So oh, she did, Jesus right. Christ. So there's parents, there's people getting involved that are like, this, this isn't right. This isn't good. So she realizes that her empire, because I mean, what are all cults about, right? Money. Yeah. So her empire is going to be threatened if these issues keep rising. And she's like baffled. Like, why would anyone say that? They just don't want to face their own truth, which is the best comeback ever, right? Yep. You just want to face back your on own you. truth. Yeah. Uh-huh. So she hires a PI to... Yeah, to act like she's doing an investigative story to see what she would dig up, to see what these people would say so that they know how to make PR, basically, to address this. The PI is the star of the show. Oh, okay? man. She, this lady is, she looks like the nicest person, and she's very kind, and she just digs in, and she gets deep, and she hears some crazy stories, and the things that she responds is, I just... 
her ability to just stay in the middle and stay on task just blew me away. I mean, she would hear crazy things about not letting people leave this place. And she'd be like, oh, my. And that (laughs) because she decides that she's going to approach this from, a okay, what the biggest complaint is that it's a cult. So I'm going to take the 13 or whatever, however many tenants of cults there are. I'm going to take them one by one and see if I can find evidence of this. Okay. That's a smart approach. Right. And at first she's like, "Eh, okay, that doesn't, I mean, all right. That's just someone's opinion. That person's following it. And then as the further we get in, you know, it's ticking more and more boxes. And until the point where it sort of comes to a head with Teal. And I won't tell you what happens because it's part of the fun, but it. I don't even know really how to explain how weird it is or how she gets this power. You have to watch it to see it happen. Um, It's like I said, it's four episodes. It ends kind of in a weird place. It almost feels sort of undone, but I think that's the point because she's still operating. So there isn't sort of any finality to this yet. Um, One of the other storylines is this guy that's been like her best friend. And at one time they were more than that for the entire time meets another woman and wants to get married and this creates a whole dynamic that really is just jealousy but teal has to somehow frame as something else (laughs) so watching the acrobatics in her head of how she can say that this is like a spiritual problem instead of just a like hey i think i still love you problem is fascinating but also wow she also has some of the most illustrious hair I've ever seen. Oh. It's sort of mesmerizing. It looks so healthy and so like I want to touch it. And I kind of wonder if maybe she was like, I got this head of hair. I'm going to run a cult. That may be. Yeah. Like you get overconfident in one area of your I life. So. And you're like, I, I know all the answers. Yeah. I'm going to self-appoint myself a guru. And she does something a couple times in the series. And I don't know if she's dying her hair or it's like a really intense hair mask. I haven't figured that out yet. I think it might just be a hair mask, you know, like you huh. put stuff on it to uh-huh. keep moisture. I don't know, but that's really all I wanted to know afterwards was <laughs> what was that? I mean, when you're named Teal Swan and you have a great head of hair, mm-hmm. I think cult is probably the only mm-hmm. career path for you. Yeah. 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 She thinks that she has the power to help her team. She has people come to these retreats and she has people on her team that work with her and they take the place of people in these people's lives, supposedly channeling memories from childhood. So like you came on the retreat and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to be one of your family members from childhood. I'm going to say what they said. And somehow I know that. Uh... Yeah. And then and then I'm going to say things to you afterwards. Like what I really felt like was like maybe there was some abuse. Like Uh... mm -hmm, things get dark dark this is such a great thing for this theme obviously like we've talked many times about that fallacy that like we would never fall for a cult that's what everyone thinks right Mm -hmm. we would never fall for a cult but it feels like the more like the external world feels out of control or even your internal world is starting to feel out of control the more you're seeking something like this Mm -hmm. some somebody that will tell you the answers yes somebody that will tell you like why things are happening the way they are no wonder so many people fall for cults because our world is out of control and i truly 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 in my heart of hearts believe that part of that is that we do not have good access to therapy people yes. can't afford it absolutely or there isn't enough resources in their yes. area there's not enough emphasis put on that so they're looking for an answer that if they had some help they could probably get there yeah and instead they let someone else step into that role and yeah. then they buy in all the way because it feels like the way out and when you're feeling that way you're very vulnerable yes. so you're open to being taken advantage mm-hmm. of yeah Absolutely. I also picked it for this theme because as a cult leader, what's fascinating to me, you know, this this week we were talking about letting go of people's opinions of you. Like she's this cult person who's like trying to get people to own themselves. But then she's so focused on what these people online are saying about her and Uh so worried about this all affecting her work and spreading her mission, i.e. Come on. We all know what it's really about. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I don't know. It's baffling. It's weird. It's shot in kind of a different style, which I liked. Hmm. Um, so it's not, it doesn't feel as much like a uh, straight across documentary. Okay. So it sort of feels like you're an observer just following her around. Interesting. It's, it's real weird. Mm-hmm. I think that she's probably lacking a chief rationality officer. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. There's so many times where I was like, if someone just said that's bullshit, uh-huh. I, what would she do? Because I mean, she, if she's so worried about what people are online or saying, yeah. she might 
have had to yeah i mean she's just so combative that people just shut down so no one challenges her and i feel like if someone's just like hey nah yeah but and stayed super calm that is the best undoing for someone like that like they can't when they can't isn't that the gray rock philosophy you mentioned yes Yes. Uh uh-huh they can't flap you and then Mm -hmm. they're like well shit my normal crazy stuff isn't working yeah would you like a hair mask (laughs) (laughs) the answer is yes and a name change um so follow-up question to chief rationality officer so with these mind bullets Uh do you have to be in the vicinity of the person for that to work i think initially in the testing phase okay but i think that our overall goal has to be no i was gonna say because Mm -hmm. at some point you would want to without meeting teal send some mind bullets her way so that she understands i think that's going to be key about training other people yes so that we can send people places long distance like we're obviously gonna have to have a big unit always based in washington dc oh they're not going to be able to leave yeah unfortunately a 24-hour service Uh at least at the beginning yes to to get it we get all the elected officials on board yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Uh uh-huh yep okay we're gonna need some like in uh brussels is that where like the hague is and like yeah i'm totally Uh not sure about that we're gonna need some in london we're gonna need uh Mm -hmm. because there's some lack of rationality there we're gonna need man we're gonna need a big contingent in russia i was gonna say yeah yeah that's gonna take some special training so we need some worldwide capability here mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and a lot of we places. need intercontinental mind bullets uh-huh. i think it, we need a thing where if you type in www.goop.com yes. you automatically get a mind automatically bullet get them uh-huh. you don't need moon juice uh-huh. you don't need a vagina egg yes you need to get off this site. all of those things yeah anytime someone signs up for an mlm Mind bullets. Mind bullets. Coming right at your way. Mind bullets. See Uh ya. Mm -hmm. I'm going to need you to really work on that and figure out how to hone that and how to teach it. I'm going to have to be real careful not to turn into a teal swan and spread my message. Yeah. Listen, as your deputy chief, Uh I'm going to do my best to keep you humble. Okay. Okay. I appreciate that. But also support you as you develop this good i think that's power. a good idea yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that is in fact one of the questions she gets the most pissed about somebody asks if she has any mentors and she's like if i have the answers why do i need a mentor and they were like well that seems odd to me that you don't want anyone else's input <laughs> why why is that odd to you is it because you don't believe in me i mean she totally flips it in the, the weirdest way and i was like wow that was Damn. effective and creepy it feels like she took a page from the pope back a thousand years ago who's just like i'm important yeah so hello me. here i am yeah I'm Hello. the Pope. Uh-huh. That's a big deal. And I wear then, teal and yeah. I name myself teal. What? <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever heard of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, a, what an episode. What an episode. Loved Just on a it. roller coaster of control. So many kinds of control. Yeah. So many kinds. And yet we feel so out of control. So out of control. God. But man, once you develop those mind bullets and make them teachable, oh, we are going to feel right back in control. We are on the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep this 80s pop vibe going. Rolling. All summer. All summer. Because these are great songs to think about. They're and to the best, really. Give us ideas. Yeah, for yeah. sure. 100%. Yeah. So we hope you think about them. And then in the meantime, happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... 
this isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.